0: I will take bribes though. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Alright. Where to start? Let's start with my testimony. Amen. I was saved in uh Germany uh when I was in the military. I left high school right after high school and went into the army over in Germany, and I got saved over there in 1987. So from there on, missions has always been a part of my life. It's always been intertwined with everything. I, I remember when I could not, uh, I could not support missionaries because I didn't have the money, and I begged God, and I begged God to let me support missionaries. And he said, um, you need to be a little more concerned about your time instead of your treasure. And so I, I said, okay, Time. Giving my time, so I started cleaning the all the floors at the church. I started mopping all the floors, cleaning the toilets, doing everything that needed to be done around the church. So that's what I started doing, and uh, and then God let me give to missions. Amen. I, I give. I love to give the missions. It gives other people an opportunity. In 1990, God called me to preach. Um, after about three weeks of laying on my pastor's floor after, church, after, uh, after work every day for three weeks, trying to convince him he had the wrong person. Uh, I, I said, Lord, I said, I'm not, a, I'm not a person that likes to get up in front of people. I said, I failed my speech class in high school. I said, this is not me. You got the wrong address. You got the wrong box. But uh, of course, the Lord always wins out, especially when he's the one doing the calling. So I surrendered uh, to my call. Uh, again, uh, some of the reason why I don't move quickly is because I want to make sure it's him. Um, there's too, too many times in today's life where we're given uh, things that, God, that we say God wants us to do. And then a person gets 10, 12 years down their, their life and they found out that they spun their wheels and did nothing because they were following their flesh instead of the Holy Spirit. So just make sure. You don't, don't fault, we'll get to this man in a minute, don't fault Gideon too bad. Amen. Uh, Gideon was just trying to make sure. And then in 1991, God uh, added the most precious thing uh, that on this earth that he could have gave me. And that's my precious wife. We've been married for uh, 31 years. And so this is that lady right here in the red uh, jacket with her hand in the air. If If you fail to meet her, and spend some time to get to know her you failed to meet the best part of it all amen i am what i am by the grace of god and next i am i am what i am because of my wife that stands behind me the the good old saying behind every and I'm by, not, by no means am i trying to say i'm a good man but behind every good man's a, a great woman and i have a great woman so from 1990 when i got saved To 1999, I trained in my home church. I didn't go off to college because God had already placed me in a bus ministry. So I had had the responsibility of of having the bus ministry. While I was doing the bus ministry, I was also preaching at the nursing home. I was preaching at the county jail every Saturday night. We did street ministry. Um, I was bus director, bus captain, bus driver, bus runner. And then when I got all the kids back to the church, I was junior church preacher. I was super in school, super, uh, Sunday school superintendent. I was Sunday school teacher. I had During that time, I had many hats and I learned a lot of things. But one thing I learned is all of these ministries that God put me in, He was preparing me for my future. I did not know it at the time, but he was preparing me for Scotland. You say, what what in all of that training got you ready for Scotland? The one thing that got me ready for Scotland was the fact that most of these ministries that I talk about, you don't see a high yield, if you will. You don't see a whole lot of fruit. I mean, when's the last time you heard somebody getting saved? Or when's the last time you heard of a revival at the nursing home? Uh, you don't hear very many times where you have a revival on the buses either. But that's okay because God had me involved in them. God's the one who placed that in my heart. I did those things not, uh, not to be showy to the people in my church. I did it because that's what God wanted me to do. And uh, so then in 1999, we had a mission conference at our church. And uh, the fellow got up behind the pulpit and he preached on Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I heard that preached before. But this time, when the preacher preached it and he laid that finger out over the pulpit like that, that ye went down right on my nose. (laughs) Go ye. And I knew that God was sending me somewhere. I thought, because I got saved in Germany, uh, one of the desires of my heart was that I get called to preach and I could go back to German, Germany, and preach in German and learn the German language and have a master of the German language. I could just I could just see it. But that's not what he wanted. I didn't know for sure what he wanted at this point. In fact, fact of the matter is, being careful as I was, I never even surrendered that week. I wanted to make sure this was God and not me. Because when I graduated high school, we had 434 people in my graduating class, and I was deemed the most likely to not succeed. And so that followed me. You know, I'm not like, me, a missionary? No, God, really? And so uh, the following week, my father-in-law had a mission conference. And so I went to support my father-in-law's mission conference. And down there, the same preacher was preaching. And this time he preached out of the book of Acts. And he preached the first night on the Macedonian call. Come over and help us. And at the time, we had a missionary out of our home church, uh, Brother Darren Fawcett. He was over there in in Germany, or in Scotland, rather. And all I could see for the rest of the week was his face. Everywhere I went, I'd sit down, and it'd be just me, and I could see his face. I could hear his voice say, come over and help us. And Brother Darren and I were stationed in Heilbronn. He was from North Carolina. And he went to a Southern Baptist Church, and he came over there, and he got saved. Me and him used to party together before he got saved, and so he got saved, and then he come and got me and I got saved and now he 's my pastor ain 't that cool <laughs> he 's my pastor you say why did he go to Scotland he got He went to Scotland so I could go over there because God knew that the only way he could get me over there was him he on, on On deputation, when he was on deputation, two things happened to him. An older man of God told him, "Um, Scotland, Uh, you need to choose another country because God's done with Scotland. Now you think about an influential man of God telling a young man, go somewhere else because God's not going to use you there. Um, I'm glad he didn't listen. I'm glad he went and did what God wanted him to do. And the second thing that he did on deputation is he cornered me up and he said to me, he said, would you do me a favor? I said, what's that? Cause his, on his prayer letter, he had this little verse Ecclesiastes four, eight, uh, and nine. It says two are better than one. He said, would you pray with me that God would send somebody to Scotland with me? I said, sure, I'll pray. I know, y'all are laughing. Y'all are quick. I wasn't quick. I didn't get that. <laughs> he probably knew it at the time that he was really using that to, uh, to get me there, but I didn't. So anyway, after the uh, mission conference at my father-in-law's, I still did not surrender to the call. Now I knew God wanted me in missions, and now I knew he wanted me in missions. Scotland. But I was still afraid that it was me doing it and not him. So what I did is this is where Gideon comes in. Amen. I did a Gideon. You know, in case not everybody knows about Gideon, Gideon was the man of God in the Bible who God told him to do something. He said, Lord, he said, if this is what you want me to do, I'm going to lay this fleece out here on the ground and I want you to put the water the dew of the water of the dew on the fleece and the, the ground around it dry. So he went to bed and the next morning woke up and guess what? He took the dew, he took the fleece and he wringed it out and he got a bowl full of water and the ground was dry. And then he said, Lord, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to uh, test you here, but That could have been a coincidence. So tonight, I want you to put the water on the ground around the fleece and and the fleece dry. So he went to bed and he woke up the next day, and guess what? The fleece was dry and the ground was wet. He said, now I know. So in 1999, after two mission conferences, I prayed on Saturday night and I said, God, if this is what you want out of my life, I said, "What I want you to do is I want you to use my pastor out of character." Now, my pastor's an old timer. Amen. That doesn't have nothing to do with his age. That just has to do with his standards and his and his stand in life. He's an old timer, and so and the old timers um, probably there's not one old timer that would walk up to a, a young man in his church and say. I believe God wants you to do this. Now, in today's society, we got got young men coming out of Bible college who know the will of God not only for themselves, but for everybody else, and they'll tell you. (laughs) Amen? You better be careful with that, because that ain't right. The old-timers, my pastor would have never, never initiated with, with a young man. Now, if the young man said, I believe God wants me to go to Scotland, he'd get behind him 110%, give him everything he needs to get there and do the job. But he would never initiate. And so Saturday night, I said, God, if you want me to go, if this is what, if this is right, then I want you to use my pastor out of character. I want you to use him to initiate it with me. So that was Saturday night, Sunday morning, went to church after the morning service, I passed him in the hallway. And he said, uh, after you finish lunch, I want you to come back. I need some—I need to talk to you about something. And, I, and uh, as I walked off from him, the Holy Spirit said, that's it. And so I didn't go to lunch. I want to get this thing settled. I've sat with this for two weeks now. So I went in his office, and and he sat down before me, and he said, look, uh, this is what I believe God would have you to do. I believe God wants you to go over to help Brother Darren for six months over in Scotland. I said, preacher, I said, I-, I want you to know what the Lord's been dealing my heart about. I said, now this is uh, what he's been dealing with my heart about. And so we packed up everything, uh, got some pastors, uh, some uh, known pastors to us who got behind us, and we went over there for an extended survey trip of six months. (laughs) I recommend that to every guy that's deciding to go to the mission field. Go over there for an extended period of time. Get past the uh, vacation time, get past the newlywed time, get past all that stuff, get into the really nitty gritty of the country before you make your decision to go be a missionary. That'll stop. Listen, there's there's more missionaries coming home than there is going to the field. Amen. We need to reverse that. Amen. We need to reverse that. I think going for an extended period of time, we'll get people's heart in it. Not only the man, but the women as well, the, the wives. So we went over there for six months. We got over there. Uh, our church had already, our home church had already bought a property over there. We had a, uh, a hall from the Salvation Army and a three-bedroom house. So me and my wife stayed in the three-bedroom house. And this, this building laid empty for three years. And the kids made it their playground, before we bought it. And when we bought it, they didn't see any reason to stop. And so when here we were uh, new to the country and we got in and we, uh, we'd, uh, we'd go to bed at about 10:30, 11 o'clock at night and we'd be laying there in the bed and all of a sudden doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo, they're running on my rooftop. And this went on and on and on. And uh, now, what would you do? In America, you would maybe uh, in a in a good place, you'd you'll open the door of your house, the back door, and you'd shoot a round into the air and you'd run them off, amen? Or you'd run out there with a, a lasso in Texas and you'd, you'd lasso them, hog time, and wait for the police to get there. But on the plane ride over to Scotland, God gave me a verse of scripture. I didn't know why he was giving it to me, but I found out that this was the reason James says, the book of James, it said, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So now I can't even get mad at him. Or I'm not going to be working God's righteousness. So I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? I said, this is frustrating. A man can only take so much of this. I said, uh, sooner or later, I'm going to, I'm just going to accidentally explode on one of them. And I don't want that to happen because I know that would be a bad testimony. And so what he did is he told me, take your Bible and go out back and read to them. Sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, A young man trying to follow God should say, yeah, I didn't say that. I said, Lord, I said, if I take my Bible out back and read to them, you know what they're going to do? They're going to run off. So the next time they ran on my roof, guess what I did? I went out back with my Bible, opened it up, and as soon as I did, guess what they did? They ran off. And you know what I did? I turned around to God and I said, I told you. And he said, get up on the wall and read to him. So I got up on the brick wall that was about this high, stepped up there, got up there, sat on the wall, and I started reading from John chapter 3, and by the time I got to verse 16... They were on the wall with me. These five boys were on the wall with me, Listen to me read. I said, "Hmm." I said, "Okay." So now I'll read uh, Romans chapter three, make sure they know they're a sinner, amen. And then I'll read Romans chapter six and make sure they know that uh, if they die a sinner, they're going to go to hell. There's condemnation and there's the condemn. Uh, con- uh, they're going to be consequences to the- their sin, and. Uh, but I also got to tell them, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And then I got over to Romans 5 and I told them about, about, uh, uh, about them, that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And so I gave them the, I gave them the plan of salvation that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. I told them, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then I went over to Revelation chapter 20 and I showed them that if they didn't accept it and their names were not written in the Lamb's book of life, that they're gonna die and go to an eternity in hell. And burning the lake of fire. That's what I did. I I gave it to them all. And then they looked at me after I got done with all that. They said, uh, can we do this again tomorrow night? (laughs) I said, okay. If you come back tomorrow night at seven o'clock, I said, I'll read you some more Bible. And so you would think, amen, you would think a, a young man trying to follow God would be all encouraged and say, yeah, this is the, this God, this is the answer. No, I said, I'm going to go out back here, God, and I'm going to be the only one out here. I'm going to look like a fool. But if I go back out here in the back and I'm, I'm the only one standing out here, I'm still going to read. I'll be the fool. And when I got back there, there was not only those five boys, but they brought seven others. And there was 12. And for the next four months, we dealt with over 200 kids on that back wall. We, we started a ministry called Church on the Wall. And so I, on Church on the Wall, I found out that there's a whole generation of children in Scotland who have never heard a Bible story. They don't know who Noah was. When I said Noah, they thought that was their friend up the road. When I talked about Lot, they thought I was talking about the open parcel of ground next to the church where they could buy and build a house. That's a lot. Amen? And so, it taught me that we are dealing with a whole different type of situation than in America. Now, I will say this the pendulum of time always goes from east to west. You study it through your Bible, that which starts in the east, it'll end up in the west. And so what's going on in Scotland today will be here at your doorstep. I started deputation. I said we're three gen- America's three generations behind Scotland. And now on furlough, 22 years later, I wish I could say we're four, but now we're two. I think we're two generations behind, and one of the two, the two issues that is holding. I, I listen. America would catch up like that. You take away their guns, and you put the national health service, socialism you put those two things into america and you will be scotland in a hurry and there's only one way to keep there's only one way to keep it from happening and that's this book amen. it's god amen so we over in scotland we have street ministry every thursday in Dundee. 152,000 people in Dundee and uh, 66,000 doors. We've put uh, two booklets through and we're working on a third booklet we're putting through right now. And uh, so we go out to the streets every Thursday, rain, snow, shine, whatever. We're out there. And if it is raining or it's freezing, then we go up to Starbucks (laughs) and we have coffee. And when we finish on Thursday and it's a nice day and we do do our street ministry, singing and preaching and, and all that, then we still go to Starbucks. <laughs> and the brethren, there are brethren that argue with me. Oh, did you not hear what the, the CEO of a Starbucks said? I said, yeah, I heard what he said. He doesn't want no Christians in, in and around his company at all. He doesn't want nobody that is a Christian to support his company. He doesn't want anybody to buy stocks. He, he'll buy you out. If you're a Christian, you have his stocks because he doesn't want Christians owning stocking. I understand that. And most of my brother, they get mad at me because I go to Starbucks. But you got to understand something. I was going to Starbucks before that silly guy made them comments. And I was working with the people in, Scott, in the Starbucks before he said that. And I'm not letting no silly CEO stop me from working with people and trying to win them to the Lord. So I keep going. Uh, the Starbucks, having a place where people know I go, is very important. Because if they hear me on the street, they're probably not going to come up to me and ask me things about the Lord. Because of their friends. They're afraid. So they'll go to, when I go to Starbucks, they'll meet me up there. And we can have a good, I can buy them a cup of coffee. And we can have a good conversation about the Lord. Um, There's two words that come to mind when I think of the ministry that God has allowed us to do in Scotland. The two words is seasonal and sowing. Amen? Seasonal. And sowing, God has let us do a lot of different ministries and a lot of different things to be in the public eye with the gospel and the things of God. Uh, One position, uh, this Catholic man that I was uh, cutting his grass, he come up to me and he said, um, he worked for ASDA. ASDA is Walmart owned in Scotland. That's our Walmart. It's called ASDA. So uh, he said, uh, he was the PR man, the public relations. He said, I got a position you might be interested in. I said, What's that? He said, I want you to be the chaplain of ASDA. I said, What does that entail? He said, Well, every Friday I want you to come and stand up front with the door greeter and I want you to hand out tracts. And I want you to tell people about the Lord right there in, in, in Asda. I said, I'm in for two years. God let me stand at the front every Friday for two hours and hand out gospel tracks. I had a little badge that said chaplain. <laughs> Amen. Cool. From that, God let us take our, our electric piano inside Walmart. And we got to sing at Christmas time. And when we were singing at Christmas, I said, singing Christmas carols is great, but it's not complete. I said, is it all right if I read the Christmas story? They said, yeah. So now I get to read the Bible in there. And then that spread from the Walmart to another chain called Morrison's. And then we went into the malls and we went into the nursing homes and we were able to sing and, and give the gospel to them. And sow the seed. We're not doing that anymore. Seasonal. God let us do it for a little while, and then we're done. And he lets us do something else. When I was on deputation, they told me, you'll never have a radio broadcast in the UK. They just won't let you have a Christian radio broadcast in the UK. But they forgot to tell God that. (laughs) Amen. I've been on the radio in Scotland for 12 years. We started out with one and a half hours every week. Then we went to three hours and then we went back to one and a half. And then when COVID hit, I was one of the only presenters that had the sound system from my church and the capabilities to produce a recording. And I ended up during COVID, I ended up with nine hours on the radio and after I finished with COVID, we got all the restrictions gone. And I, I, now I end up with four and a half hours. No, four hours every week on the radio. I have a radio broadcast on Tuesdays from 10 to 1130, which would be five o'clock in the morning to 730. And on Sunday mornings from 10 until 1230, which is prime spot. Um, the, the, the projection is 60,000 people. I'm on the radio. And so if your pastor was to go out here and try to get on the radio, it would cost him about $60 to $100 for 15 minutes on the radio. See what I got? You know how much I pay for it? Nothing. It's volunteer. I get to do all the preaching I want on the radio. Sometimes I don't do any preaching. You said that's a waste. No, I take the song and I produce the salvation pathway. The Romans Road, I take the whole idea of the Romans Road and I start with them being the sinners. There's songs that t- talk about being sinners, amen? And then there's songs about being condemned. And then there's songs about the love of God. And I bring it all the way through, all the way through with song. You say, why do you do that? Because they'll accept it a little better. I do preaching. I'm not, I'm not saying that. We, we have every every Sunday, 10 to 12.30, when I'm preaching and teaching Sunday school in my pulpit, Sunday school's going out, not that one, but the one I recorded, Sunday school's going out over the radio. When I'm preaching in my church, preaching's going on over the radio at, at 11 o'clock. Amen? When we have a time of worship, it's going out over the, over the internet and the radios. It's really worldwide because you can listen to it on, on the internet, so... Um, we, uh, do in 2005, I came back on a furlough back to Michigan. And while I was in Michigan, God dealt with my heart about doing tent meetings. I'd never done a tent meeting in my life. Let, let me go one step further. I would never been in a tent meeting in my life. I didn't even know what a tent meeting was, but here God was talking to me in 2005 up north, during the wintertime, about doing tent meets. I said, hmm, that's interesting. So I went back to Scotland. When I got back to Scotland, I, uh, I got on the internet and, I, and started looking into renting a tent. It cost 800 dollars, nope, excuse me, 800 pounds, which is about $950 at the time, for one week. I called my pastor, I said, well, I said, uh, we'll start saving money, and when I get there, we'll have one. I said, but that's going to be the only one we have. I said, because I can't afford 950 for one week. I said, we won't be able to do anything consistent. And then I hung up with him. And then the Holy Spirit whispered to me, why don't you look to buy one? So I got online, and I looked into buying one. And I found out I could get a brand new... 40 by 60 marquee tent for 534 pounds shipped to my door. Amen. All mine. I called my pastor back. I said, I can buy one for 534 pounds. And he said, you ain't bought it yet. I said, problem with that is pastor. I said, I ain't even got 534 pounds. He said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Two weeks from now, you take up an offering your church. Two weeks from now, I'll take up an offering in my church and we'll buy a tent. And we did. And we've been, since 2005, we've been doing tent meetings. Every time we set up the tent, we get at least 20 visitors. Every time we set up the tent. It's worth it. Amen? The first year we set it up, we had to do like the Israelites. Set it up, take it down. Set it up every day. We had to set it up. They wouldn't let us keep it up. Second year, we had to set it up, take it down, set it up, take it down. And then finally, on third year, I went to. I wasn't even comfortable with leaving it up because I had to stay with my tent. I wasn't comfortable with sleeping in the in the in the park where there was a murder down in the bottom park of the part of the park. I didn't. I wasn't comfortable with that at the beginning, anyways. By the third year, I got a lot lot more comfortable. And I went to the council and I said, look, I said, every time I take it down, they think it's over. I said, is there any way that I can get it set up and I can stay out here with it and I can watch it? They said, sure, no problem. So the the fourth year, we set it up and we've been setting it up ever since. We're setting it up. last, Last year, we had six weeks. This year, I want seven or eight weeks. We're increasing. We took on a 20-mile radius. Back there on my display, there's a round circle up there. That's my 20-mile radius. My 20-mile radius, there's 312 cities and villages. There's over 500,000 people. And we are the only King James preaching work in that area. You say, why 20 miles? Because in 20 miles, I can work with anybody that gets saved. If I go over to Glasgow, which is two hours away and I preach on the streets and somebody gets saved, then what am I going to do? You say, well, you just tell them to go to that. There's no church over there. <laughs> you got to understand there's no churches in Scotland, no King James Bible churches. They're not preaching the King James Bible. That is where we got it from. Amen. You got you here in America. You enjoy the fruit of missionaries that came from England and Scotland. That's what you guys enjoy today because of them. And now we get to go back. I get to take the King James, their, their Bible. They said, take, that's an American. No, that's not an American thing. That's a British thing right there. So we get to take it back. We have, we have a camp meeting My pastor started it when we first started the church over there. Um, We have camp meeting uh, every October. And it's for all the European missionaries so they don't have to come all the way back to America to get in a good meeting, to get encouraged and strengthened. So my pastor started it. About five years later into it, he said, now it's yours. You can do what you want. You can cancel it. You can do away with it, whatever. We've kept going. So... We're in our 22nd year of our camp meeting there and uh, had the biggest camp meeting this year that we had yet. So now I want to go into preaching, amen, a challenge to your heart, if I can, tonight. Turn, Turn, if you will, to the book of Romans chapter number 12, Romans chapter number 12. I've got three points, but I'm not going to go over all three of them because I feel like um, God wanted me to present Scotland. Amen. Well, thank you. That's what we do in our church. I like that. That's cool. Make me feel at home now. Standing for the word of God. Amen. That's good. Romans chapter 12, verse number one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, mind, excuse me of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, we sure do thank you for your scriptures here. I pray, God, that you'd use the message, the thoughts, these these uh, these challenges that, that are before us tonight. I pray, God, that you'd let people see the need that's before us today uh, is greater than we ever have seen before. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Here in this verse of scripture, he said um, that, that he's, he's, he's begging you. He's beseeching you that you present your bodies. He's not looking anymore for a dead sacrifice. He's looking for a living sacrifice. And he said, holy, acceptable unto God. And notice the words here, which is your reasonable service. I want to say this tonight. No matter what any preacher, any evangelist, any missionary comes by and preaches, no matter what God does in touching your heart, drawing your heart, moving your life, it is just reasonable service that he's asking. If he takes you out of your comfort zone, and places you in an unfamiliar ground, it's still just reasonable. All he's done for you, all he's done for mankind, anything he could ask of you is just purely reasonable. If he asks you to come to Scotland, it's just reasonable if he asked you to sit on that pew and stay on that pew and be a good church member for this pastor it's just reasonable whatever he wants you to do you say you see in that thought there is no age limitations young or old we cannot Listen to the lies. My first point is we need our minds renewed to the the lying of the enemy. The enemy is going to lie to us. The world, the flesh, and the devil is just going to lie to us on every hand. We can't do this. It's too big. Uh, 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 I've done enough. I give enough. That's the lie. He wants us to. To go on, he wants us to grow as his child. The second point, after the lying of the enemies, because I don't really want to get bogged down there. I want to get into the second one and the third point. But the second point is the learning of the gospel. The learning of the gospel. You see. I question sometimes why are souls not being saved today like they were back in that book of Acts? I mean, we, I don't know what the book of Acts does to you, but when I read the book of Acts, my heart flames up. I get, I get on fire when I read the book of Acts. 3,000 getting saved, can you imagine that? And then the next day, 5,000, 8,000 within a couple of days people getting saved. And then he uses the verse of scripture and he says, uh, he's gonna add to the church daily such as should be saved. Can I ask you something? Why isn't that being done today? Has God changed? Bible says that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God's never changed. So if there's a slowing down of people getting saved, if there's people not being added to the church such as should be saved, there's a problem with not God, but there's a problem with man and the responsibility that man has because man's not fulfilling their duty of, of life. I'm not here tonight to make you feel bad. If you feel bad, he done that. You hear what I'm saying tonight? I can't make you feel bad. But he can. I can't make you feel uncomfortable for living a slothful life. I'm not saying you're living a slothful life. Yeah, yeah, you just said it. No. If, 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 If that spoke to you, then that's him speaking to you. You see what I'm saying? He's the one that can make you feel bad and feel uncomfortable with the way your life is going. And he will. I make a statement in my home, my church back in in Scotland all the time. I said, if you live all week long like a junkyard dog, you better expect God to deal with you when you walk in this door. I said, there's something not right with me. I said, if God's not going to deal with you and he's going to let you, then either you're not saved or I'm not right. Because you should expect God to put his finger on whatever it is you're doing wrong in your life. He loves you like that. Amen. He cares about you like that. He doesn't want you to go live a wicked life. He doesn't want you to get entangled by the devil. He doesn't want you to end up in the, in the dregs of life. He wants you to have a joyful. <laughs> John ten ten That you might have life and have it more abundantly. He wants you to have an abundant life. That's his goal for your life. Let me ask you three questions. We don't need, first off, we don't need new programs. We don't need prizes. We don't need popularity. We need to know. We need to have the gospel be our all in all. The gospel. The second point is learning the gospel. My first question tonight is this. Can you clearly present the gospel? Can you, can you present it clearly? I like it. You know, I've preached this message. I've been in, I've been in 30 churches so far. I preached this message in 30 churches. God, God, God gave me a message for furlough. I believe that, and I'm gonna preach it. And every church I've gone into, the same thing happens as happened here tonight. When I said, "Are you? Can you clearly present the gospel?" There's certain one of you that did this. That's the head bobbers. I got gotcha. you, Amen. Do you know why you why you bobbed your head? One you think you can clearly present the gospel not only that i believe that you're confident you wouldn't you wouldn't do this there's some of you that didn't do this they're sitting there and you're thinking hmm hmm can i (laughs) amen and there's others in here no you know you can't again i'm not up here trying to make you feel bad or put you in an awful place because you can't. What I'm trying to get people to see is I'm trying to get you to see that the important part of our Christian life is that we learn to present the gospel clearly to people. That is the only way a person is ever going to get saved by the grace of God, is to have a clear presentation of the gospel. And that is your charge, Young to old. Don't listen to the lying of the devil. I'm too old. I can't do that no more. You know, my steps are... I understand that. I'm getting a little up there too. My steps are different than they were 30 years ago, 22 years ago. That's not going to stop me. If it gets so bad that you can't go to a door, then pick up your phone. What's the area code here? 937. 937. What's the next three? 937. Whatever. And then go 0001. Hello. I'm from Anchor Baptist Church. I'll invite you to in church. You know what you're going to hear? <laughs> you might hear 100 of them. But can I tell you what's going to make it worth it? That 101? When you say, uh, I'm from Anchor Baptist Church, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. And they'll say, please tell me, I need it. I need, I need to hear this. Listen to me. You pray and ask God to use you. Listen, God isn't in the business of letting his children just not do anything. He's interested in you learning to present the gospel. Now let's go back to the head bobbers. They're important to this church You went, that means you can do it. Good. Now, all of you that didn't do this, and you are on the fence, can I, can't I? Or maybe you're not even on the fence. Maybe you're saying, no, I can't. Find one of these head bobbers and ask them to help you to learn how to present the gospel. I will say, this is Van Vultenburg theology. I will say the most important thing as a child of God that you will ever do as a child of God. First thing is, is that you become a child of God. But after you're a child of God, the most important thing that you'll ever do is learn to present the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, that is your duty. That is what you need, to, you need to learn how. We can do that by learning the Roman's rule. We can learn that by carrying a track with us and learn how to use that track. Don't use it as a, as a, as a uh, substitute. Use it as a tool like it was made for. And then, once you learn, now we're going to go back to the head bobbers, right? The second question is, Can you persuade with the gospel? Can you take a sinner who's wobbling on the fence, can you convince him that heaven is wonderful and hell is awful? Can you tell them the love of God is the greatest thing that's ever happened and that the sin's of this world, will take you down. They'll, they'll keep you far. They'll keep you longer than you want to stay. They'll cost you more than you want to pay. And listen, they'll just destroy your life. Can you do that with the gospel? Uh, in the in the gospels, when Jesus was speaking to his servants about filling the house up. They went out and did exactly what he said. And then he came back and he said, Lord, there's yet room. He didn't say, okay, now just sit down. It'll be all right. <laughs> Can I say something? Look around tonight. Look around. Look at that empty hole back there. There's yet room. There's still room for people on the pew. This is what Jesus said. Go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Compel them. Have you ever looked that word up? That's a strong word. I used to say when I was preaching about that word compel, I'm not talking about taking their arm and shoving it up behind their back or dragging them by the hair. But you better look at that word compel. It's very forcibly. That's what that word compel. But I'm not gonna go there either. I wanna give you, I wanna give you a practical definition of the word compel, okay? A practical definition, one that I learned on the on on the job, amen. Uh, Doing what God wanted me to do in the bus ministry. Compel means to take away their every excuse. Take away their every excuse. I was on bus visitation on Saturday. I went to this man's door. He said, I'd come to church. He said, but I don't have a pair of dress trousers, I don't have a dress shirt. And I don't have a tie. I said, okay. I said, what's your waist size? I said, what's your inseam? I said, and what size neck you got? I went down to Walmart, bought him a pair of trousers, bought him a dress shirt, bought him a tie. I could have went home and got one of my hundred out of my, th- I bought him one. Amen. I wanted him to let him know that, I, that money's not the object here. Then I took it home and I had my wife wash it and dry it, iron it, and put it on a hanger. So why'd you do that? Because I know men. I'm not gonna wear that shirt. I gotta wash it first. (laughs) It'd be a hindrance. So I washed it. I said, here's a shirt and a pair of trousers and a tie. And you know what he did? Sunday night he came to church. You know what happened Sunday night? He got saved. You know what I really wished I could tell you? I wished I had, I wished I could preach until midnight tonight. (laughs) Oh, please don't. I wished I could preach to midnight tonight, telling you all the stories about everybody that the Lord let me win like that. But the truth of the matter is, I only have one. But do you have one? I have one. My concern is that there's too many people in our churches today that have none. We need to learn to persuade. After you you learn how to clearly present it, and you do that, you that don't know how, right? You do that by getting with your pastor's wife, you girls, you boys, men, You get with your pastor. He'll teach you. I'll guarantee you, he'll he'll let the roof in the nursery wait. (laughs) Amen? He won't even finish the roof. If 10 men come to him tonight and say, I want to learn to present, clearly present the gospel, he'll take the time and teach you how to present the gospel. I believe that. I don't even know him. But I believe that about him. And then the third question tonight. Are you effective with the gospel? Now, uh, this, is a, this, is, <clears throat> this is a very touchy ground. Amen? We have a lot of things out there being taught. You say this prayer, and you're saved. It's called easy believism. I'm sorry, Amen. I don't believe that. Amen. No, let me take the first words off. I'm not sorry, I just don't believe it. Can a person say the prayer and be saved? Well, yeah, I believe they can. But I'm not gonna tell them they're saved and neither should you. You don't have the right to tell somebody they're saved. I remember a missionary uh, to... Uh, um, Switzerland area um, anyway I uh, forget the the country that he the, the the where the bank or the Catholic church bank is at but anyways, he's a missionary there and he preached a message one one year on on if you're saved who told you? Did mama tell you Daddy tell you preacher tell you the soul winner tell you you better hope God told you because if God didn't tell you you're saved. You might need to get saved. So, when I'm say be effective with the gospel, that's I'm not talking about easy believism and production based Christianity. Okay, production based Christianity says if you don't produce, you're not right with God. Wrong. If you don't sow, you probably ain't right with God. Amen. So learn how to sow, sow the seed. The seed is the word of God. Being effective. How do you know you're effective? Sometimes you won't. You just got to keep on going. You got to trust God to be effective. Um, Luke chapter 16, the rich man. When he died, another man died. The beggar, Lazarus. They died around the same time. One opened his eyes in hell. One opened his eyes in paradise which was in the center of the earth, which was a great gulf fixed between them, and they were separated. One side was hell, one side was paradise. In the paradise side was all the Old Testament saints who died trusting Christ, trusting God. So they went to paradise. Jesus died. He led the captivity captive. Amen? So when the rich man, or excuse me, Yeah, when the rich man died, he immediately looked across that gulf, and he recognized somebody, and he said, Father Abraham. How did he know Abraham? Have you ever thought about that? I've got a lot of of hours in thinking about that. I come up with a conclusion. Again, Van Volkberg theology, if you want. I believe it's because of... Lazarus. I believe Lazarus taught him about Abraham to the point where he would recognize him. Over there on the other side, with Abraham and Lazarus, would have been Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, Isaiah, amen, Um, Elijah. He was a powerful man, wasn't he? He said, let it, not pray, let it not rain, and it didn't rain for three years and six months. And he said, let it rain, and what happened? It rained. At his word, it rained. Then came along his protege right behind him. And he said, I want a double portion of what he's got. So now he's going to be a double portion, man. He's going to be double powerful. But let me show you something today, Tonight. When Lazarus was looking for somebody to be sent to his five brothers, he chose the one that he had confidence in. And he said, Abraham, send Lazarus to my brothers. Because whatever it was that Lazarus did While the rich man came and go from his palace, it built confidence in him that if I could get Lazarus to my brothers, my brothers will not come here. Can I ask you something tonight? Is there any lost people that have confidence in you? That's how you know whether you're effective or not. Do they have confidence? If they needed something from God, would they come to you? You see, I can't tell you the stories of hundreds got saved in Scotland. I wish I could, but it just ain't so. But I can tell you this. There are hundreds dotted around Scotland who have made this statement to me. They said, you know what? That God thing, that's not for me get away. That God thing, that's not for me. And this is the next thing they said. But if that ever changes, we're coming to you boys. About the third time I heard that, I said to the guy, I said, why did you just say that? Why did you say, but if that, if it changes, I'm coming to you boys. He said, because what you guys got real and what everybody else has got isn't. We've been effective in Scotland. I just haven't seen the salvation yet. I'm not worried. Some soul, some plant, excuse me, some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. It's God that gives the increase and I'm not even worried about it. That's his business. I'm not getting in his realm and he wants me to stay in my realm. The last point of the message is first one, the lying of our enemies. We need our minds renewed. We need to re- our minds renewed about the learning of the gospel. And the third thing is we need our minds renewed about the longevity of sowing. The longevity of sowing. Turn quickly to the book of Acts chapter 5. Three more, three, three more pages, three more scripture I want to turn to. I'm going to quote some other ones. But Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And verse number 42, nope, Acts chapter 5, yeah, Acts chapter 5, verse 42, I was looking in 4, verse 42, this is what the Bible says, and daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. Can I ask you something? What is this, this, this area? Where the churches, what's this called? This community. Riverside. Riverside. Has every house in Riverside had the teaching and preaching of Jesus? That. All right, let me ask you this. Has every house on your block? Had somebody teach or preach the Jesus Christ to them? All right, let's get down even further. How about has every every house on your side of the block? So now you're talking about depending on the length of the block, maybe eight, ten houses, right? So there would be a good starting place. You make sure that first everyone on your side, and then everyone on your block. And then everybody on your area, you see what I'm saying? Uh, listen, was Paul always like this? No. But he came to a point where he said, you know what? I'm going to make sure every house in Riverside. I'm going to make sure of every house on my block. I'm going to make sure every house on my side of the block And the only way you'll be sure that every house on your side of the block is done is if you do it yourself. Go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 31. See, this is later. (laughs) Acts chapter 20 is later in the ministry. Acts chapter 20. And verse 31, the Bible said here, For I know this, that after, oops, excuse me. I got first, I got a different, uh, hmm, 20, verse 31. There it is. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn most everyone. No, that's not what it said. He said, I cease not to warn everyone. Everyone, night and day, with tears. You see, now it came to the point in his life where he wasn't going to let anyone, night or day, walk by him. That he wasn't going to warn them. Not anybody. Anybody. Nobody walked by him. Here comes the guy. He was was bringing the other prisoner some food. Hey, sir, can I tell you about Jesus Christ? He might have walked off, but he was going to make sure he told him. And it brought him to the point where he was moved emotionally. Have you ever been moved emotionally for a soul? Turn to John chapter 4, and while you're turning there, I'm going I'm to tell you what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. And then in Galatians chapter 6, he said you're going to reap. And then he put a condition on it. If you Faint not. So if you go out here and you do all the sowing bountifully and you come to a place in your life where you just give up and you faint and you give in, then nothing you do is, can somebody get saved from all that? Yes. But you don't have the promise you have. If you keep from fainting in the military, they told us, uh, one of the first commands they taught us is attention. Amen. And then there's prayed rest. You know, we learned to do what we were told to do. And when we were at attention, they said, whatever you do, don't what? Don't lock your knees. Why? Because if you lock your knees, we found out what happened at, at graduation, We had a guy faint because he locked his knees. At the end, he locked his knees. And you know what he did when he fainted? He took out the whole platoon, just about. Everybody was knocked down. Spiritual application. If you faint spiritually, you're going to take out a lot of people. It's going to affect a lot of people. And you won't have the promise of reaping what you've sowed. You there in John chapter 4? Verse 34. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And ever since Jesus said that in John chapter 4 to his disciples, we have been given by the missionaries and pastors and evangelists that come by the church. We have been given the ideal that the fields are always white under harvest. They're perpetual. Because Jesus said, "Look, don't worry about it. It's white." Uh-huh. Not possible. Not ever possible. I believe this verse of scripture was given to from Jesus to his disciples in an area where the fields were white under harvest. And he was trying to get them to get busy to reap it before it was spoiled. Yes, we could do an application of it later on when the fields are white. But why would we give anybody the impression that they're always white? Because they're not. In fact, if we look in the fields around this town, are they white in the harvest right now? No, what are they? They're laying dormant. They're waiting for springtime. And while springtime's coming, you know what the ground is doing? It's fixing itself. It's getting more minerals. It's getting ready for the seed. It's preparing itself. There's water coming down. There's snow melting on it. It's getting the ground right. And then all of a sudden, <coughs> springtime comes. A little warmth comes out, and the farmers say, it's time. Well, actually, the farmers say, the almanac says it's time. And believe you me, the real old-timers will go by that almanac, and they'll be right to do it. But come springtime, if the farmers don't sow, what's going to happen at fall? Is there going to be automatically white on the harvest? If there's no sowing going on. there'll be no harvest. He said in verse 36, "And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together." And herein is that saying true: one soweth and another reapeth." Look at verse 38, my last verse. Jesus, this is red letter. If you've got a red letter edition Bible, this will be in red letter. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. So Jesus' business is to send people forth into a land that's already been sown, that's been labored on, and they're going to go in there and they're going to reap. But if nobody's sowing, where is he going to send them? He'll have nowhere to send them. My verse for deputy furlough, my verse, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers into his harvest. I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm praying, God, reach right in here. I'm praying God reach right in here and send forth labors to Scotland. I'm specific, very specific. I want them in, I want them in and around my 20-mile radius. Ask what I'm praying for. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth. You know what? You know why I can pray that? Because I'm sowing. What right what right does anyone who does not sow have to ask him to send forth laborers into this harvest if they're not sowing? Amen. It's senseless. It's senseless. He'll have nowhere to send them. In my 20-mile radius, Wormit, Newport, Tayport, Carnoustie, half of Arbroath. Half of forfer all already got the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're preaching in tent meetings in these cities. We're preaching on the streets in these cities. We're trying to get the seed out. I want it to be when you get called to come to Scotland. Amen. When God calls you, I want you to be able to come over there to a ground that's already been sowed. I don't want you to have to spend 22 years sowing an area that has never been sowed before. I want the ground already to have the seed in it. You know what my heart is on Thursday? Every Thursday when I go to the streets, you know what my heart is? Lord, is this the week when I'm gonna open my Bible and start to preach and they're gonna fall down and get saved? Is this the day, is this the day that you're gonna turn their heart? Because he is the changer of hearts. He is the only one that can change a heart. I said, is this the week? Is this the time you're gonna, every Thursday I go to the streets with that in my heart. And when it doesn't happen, I don't go away saying, oh, God, why not? No. You know what I do? I go away saying, maybe next week, God. Maybe next week we'll get them. Maybe next week you'll turn their heart. Maybe you know, maybe you, and you know what? Maybe it won't happen at all while I'm there. Maybe. Maybe I'll get to do what I asked God to let me do for the rest of my life. Sow the seed in Scotland. Amen. And then I'll go to heaven and I'll be looking over Hebrews chapter 12 and that great cloud of witnesses. I'll be looking over heaven and I'll see a young man from Anchor Baptist Church who gave his heart and I'll see God send him into a land where he bestowed no labor. And I'll be up in heaven. And I'll be rejoicing with him. Because he said there'd be rejoicing in the presence of the angels. He didn't say the angels were going to be rejoicing. Who's going to be rejoicing? Who's in the presence of the angels? Jesus himself. God's there. God the Father. Listen, they're rejoicing. And I'll be rejoicing too. Because he said... The sower and the reaper will rejoice together. So would you take on, would you take on this area of Ohio? Would you become Ohio's sower? You say, I'm a girl. So what? You can hand out a track too. You can knock a door too. You can invite everybody that you see. Can I tell you one last thing? God gave you something that's yours and it belongs to nobody else. It's yours. He gave you a testimony. If you're saved here tonight by the grace of God, he gave you a testimony and it's personally your testimony nobody else has your testimony he gave it to you so you can share it with others because he knows what he did for you he can do for others preacher I I
1: told y'all the other day that uh... That's what we need to get back into, exactly what he just said. Uh, Dayton, Ohio, needs people on the streets. Uh, we pass out tracks all in this area. We need to do it again. The seed's out there in the rack. we got tons of it, and we can get tons of it. That's it. But you need people, you need laborers to go out there and just continue to do it. You may never see anything. Again, you may see something. It doesn't matter what you see. I was on a ship for one time. Scott, three years, nobody got saved. Got mad, got out of the Navy. Fifteen guys got saved off that ship after I got out. And you say, what was it? Well, the seed was sown. I got to watch them guys come to the Lord, but it took three years, uh, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year for three straight years them watching me leave that ship. With my Bible under my arm, going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights, whenever I was off that ship, and that ship was Pierside, Norfolk, Virginia, I was going off that ship to church, period. I started wearing suits. I, I told Commissioner today, I started wearing suits not because you wear suits. But, no, I, I was passing, I'd leave the ship every day, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, dressed with n- just regular clothes on. And I'd go to the quarterdeck with my Bible under my arm. Payoff said, Elliot, request permission to go ashore. Where are you going, Elliot? I'm like, can you not see this? Do you not know what this is? Uh, one night I left, I, I mentioned the story today. One night I left, Went on the way to church, past uh, Burlington Co. Factory, and the Holy Spirit said, look, you idiot, go over and get three suits. I said, I don't like suits. You know, sometimes God will ask you to do something you don't like. I said, I don't like suits, and I don't like ties. I wear them in the Navy because they forced me to. He said, go get yourself three suits. I don't want to go get three. I guess I had to get one for the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I don't know. Uh, and they were all blue. Everything had to be blue, man. You couldn't get nothing but blue. I think they were all blue anyways. But I can't even remember what they were. I just remember I got them, got the shirts, got the ties, everything else because he wouldn't leave me alone. I went from one end of the mall to the next end of the mall. And by the time I got to the next red light, I had to pull in and go get those suits. And, I mean, Lord can convince you real quick what you need to do. And I did exactly what he said to do. The next Sunday I left the ship, Sunday morning, had my suit and tie on. Walk to the quarter deck with my Bible under my arm, just like I always did. Said, pay off to the LA, request minister ministry, go, ashore." They go, where are you going, "Elliot, church? They watch everything you do. You know, our problem is, is we don't want to do it consistently. And if we don't get results, we don't want to do it consistently because we don't think that. It doesn't matter whether you get results or not. Results aren't even in the issue. The issue is, are you going to do the same thing day after day after day? I sit in Brother Jerry Siler's office one day, and he sat there, and me and him was talking. He called me pastor he never had, and he said, Brother Elliot," and the phone rang. And he picked the phone up, and blah, 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 and he hung the phone up. He said, you know who that was? I said, no, sir, I don't know who that was. Who was that? He goes, that was a guy I dealt with 20 years ago, and he's calling me. He needs some help, and he wants me to help him. And I'm like, oh, really? He goes, he goes, I'm going to tell you something right now. Here's an older preacher telling a younger preacher what to do. He goes, he said, what's wrong with every preacher in this town and anybody he knows? He said, they'll go somewhere. They won't see any results. They'll get up and move somewhere else. He said, go somewhere and just sit there for 20 years so that when they need you, like you just said tonight, yes, they'll know right where you're at. Yes, sir. I tell you, so I asked him, I said, should I start a church? He goes, yeah, you need to start a church. I said, I started the church. I talked to him recently. He goes, I just wish you would have started it further away. <laughs> good good man. He's a good man. Uh, you know what? I watch that old guy, and he doesn't have a Bible education. He'll tell you what he has, uh, and he'll sit there. But uh, I was talking to him the other day, and he goes, Mike, I don't do what I do for money. He goes, I never did it for money. I never did it. I did it because I want to serve Jesus Christ. The key is the servant. And some of you, we need to get back into that. The the seed is right out there, uh, tons of it. You say, well, when we'll, we we'll run out of these, hey, there's there's houses after houses after houses out here. But you know what you're going to do? You have to sacrifice some time, and that's getting ready to happen. Because I'm going to I'm going to be done with that room shortly, and when I do, then I'm going to get back in. There. I'm gonna, I'm not going to here to make you feel bad. I'm not going to try to. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. That's your choice. I'll do it by myself. I'll do it. Uh, I don't care. You know, he's exactly right. You get the tracks out. The reason these people are out here, they're just as cold as anybody else. We're just like Scotland. We're getting just like Scotland. But we can't quit. They need to be, somebody reached you. And after that, somebody, it's 828. Uh, We ain't going to have prayer tonight. Uh, We normally do. Uh, But just for sake, I'd, I'd rather you think about what was just said. Than anything else. I'm gonna pray real quick. Uh, if if you got I'll tell you what, if, if there is some really, really important prayer requests, uh, if you got one, raise your hand real quick and we'll pray I'll pray for that right now. Uh, sis. Dave Myers was very Ill. They found a, something in his stomach and it's he
0: has he has
1: a good testimony. Amen. Dave Myers, and it's in his stomach. Is did you say it was in his lungs also, or just his stomach? Yes, his has his rather large spot on. Okay, he has. They they found some spots on his lungs and it's his stomach, mass in his stomach. So y'all keep him in prayer. He's brought Betty. That's the man, the gentleman, brought you to church a bunch of time. He would drive her to church on Sunday morning. So y'all pray for him, Dave Myers. Anybody else? All right, let's pray. Okay, Father, thank you for your blessings tonight, and thank you for. Uh, Brother Jim, come by, Lord, and, and just, uh, Lord, every church needs, uh, Lord, just a push to remember uh, what we're here for, Lord. We're not here to to run a business. We're not here to make lots of money. We're not here to uh, have all the stuff that this world has, Lord. We're here to be servants for you. Uh, Lord, if that stuff happens, that can happen. I'm not saying it can't happen, Lord, but what I'm saying is the, the forefront is that you came to seek and save. Of that which was lost you said that in matthew you said it in luke Lord. twice you said it one once you said uh, you came to seek that which was lost and then you said you came to seek and save that which was lost and lord our our job uh when we got saved was to do exactly that it, we, we may not be able to see uh, those get saved lord but we should be seeking them and, and lord the seed is something you gave us uh we have it we have chick tracks Lord. we got tracks all over the place fellowship track leagues down here we got access to just about anything Lord, what we need to do is find the time. We need to let go of the things of the world and find the time that needs to be done. Uh, and Lord, just use that time wisely. Lord, our time is short. Uh, Lord, I know that uh, I'm 65 years old and my time is getting shorter and shorter and shorter every day. And Lord, one of these days uh, that time's going to be up, and uh, nobody knows when that day's going to be. Uh, but Lord, uh, we need to be very, very uh, vigilant with the time that we have. Uh, Lord, this world is is going down the tubes rapidly. And, Lord, uh, we're the only ones with the solution to their problems. And the problems isn't uh, a new job or a new house or new cars or new, new this or new that or getting this or educations and all the other stuff. Lord, that's not, that's not the issue. The issue is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, that's the only thing that's going to change their lives. Uh, Lord, there's many things can be said about that, Lord, but uh, missionary after missionary. If it wasn't for the missionaries in Scotland, England coming over here, Lord, uh, we wouldn't have what we have today. And, Lord, you've entrusted us with something now that we need to uh, take in our lives. I thank you for the ministries we do do, uh, but, Lord, uh, that there's more that can be done. And, Lord, I just pray that you touch our hearts to do it. Uh, Lord, uh, again, I do pray for uh, Dave Myers, Lord, <clears throat> that you touch his heart, touch his body. Uh, Lord, give those doctors wisdom about what to do. Uh, Lord, uh, I know there's uh, a Paul and Darkest down there. They're having issues, uh, health issues. Brother Paul's having some issues. and Uh, Miss Linda's having some issues, Lord, and uh, Linda Oaks, and I just pray, George's getting up here in age two and trying to help Tom Combs and Jill, Lord, I pray for them, Uh, Lord, that you just do a work there. Father, just so much stuff that uh, we need on a daily basis, and and Lord, we just like, we need you in our lives. That's exactly what we need. Uh, The hand of God needs to direct each and every one of us. No one can make anybody else do anything, Uh, Lord, only the Holy Spirit can convict a a man or a woman to do uh, what needs to be done. And, Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, if somebody's heart was convicted by the message that was preached, Lord, that uh, you'd let that conviction seep in. And, Lord, that they don't look at the preacher, Lord, but they look at you and say, Lord, just like Paul said, what would you have me to do? And, Lord, make sure they know exactly what what to do. Uh, Lord, uh, your will has always been very clear to me. I knew exactly what you always wanted me to do. When you said do it, there wasn't a doubt in my mind. And Lord, if uh, you haven't said do it, just because somebody else says do it, it, it won't be done unless you tell me to do it. And Lord, once you tell me, it's it's a it's a no-brainer to do it. Uh, Lord, I pray for each and every person in this room tonight, Lord, that you you make your will clear to them. And Lord, sometimes your will is just to learn a little bit more than what they know. Uh, Father, I just pray that you'd show them. Again, thank you for letting us come to church tonight. Uh, I pray that you'd let uh, everybody sit here and talk to the missionary and his wife and and Lord, just uh, they were a blessing to us. Lord, help us to be a blessing to them. And Father, again, thank you for letting us come to church on a, on a Wednesday night, Father. And we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.